0: podcasting worldwide on internet radio
1: refreshing takes on legal strategies
0: straightforward answers to difficult tax questions
1: independent ideas on building wealth it's the refresh your wealth show with mark kohler and matt Sorensen. get
0: your free copy of mark and matt's ebooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax deadlines and articles at refreshyourwealth.com
1: now here's mark and matt
0: Well, welcome everybody to today's show, so excited. This is Mark Kohler, yours truly, with my amazing co-host, Matt Sorensen here on Refresh Your Wealth, ready to rock your world. Matt, you're you're ready to roll? You feeling yeah, it?
2: Yeah, I'm just glad you didn't call me a sidekick like I called you last week. You know, I've got a little more respect
0: for my co-host than that, <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah so I'm just saying, you know, I'll come up with a name for you though I will. Oh, okay, I thought
2: you were gonna get me back there, so I was waiting for it. I was bracing. Oh, I should have I should have Man,
0: bad, bad slip um well though no, i I'm so excited for today's show. This is gonna be good, and i this is a fun time, you know, Matt and I are already joking around. um, we want to welcome any of you that are new listeners. This is a show about saving taxes, building wealth. Uh, asset protection, business building, and Matt and I are both attorneys. I'm also CPA. Matt's a tax attorney specializing in really this self-directed IRA topic. Um, Both of us have written books. We, We blog a ton. Guys, we're here for you. We are so grateful you're listening, and it's to have a real attorney, CPA, kind of business professional giving you advice with years and years of credentials and licensing we hope that you feel like you're getting a little higher quality advice and that's what our show's about
2: yeah and it's a uh, normally be 800 dollars an hour to have mark and i together on a, on you know <laughs> for an hour but uh you know we we uh this is free you know and uh we're gonna make, it's very valuable though so don't be don't be confused yeah.
0: yes yes and Now, on that note, we need to make a couple of announcements. Um, Over the the last year, we've tried some different models of how to get this information out to our clients nationwide the best. Of course, we love iTunes. We know that the bulk of our listeners, all of you out there, all of you, sorry, the bulk of you listening right now are on iTunes, which is cool. iTunes is a great portal for that. We know that there's other portals, and some of you are catching us uh, via podcast uh, with some other apps and things like that. But, but um, block talk radio has been generally uh, uh, the medium we've used. We've done some AM radio this last year as well. Uh, word to the wise: uh, not many people listen to AM anymore. I, I, I knew that. We felt that, but we got sucked into it. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> so it's That's on funny. your dial. So yeah. So anyway, so here's what we're doing: once a month. This is important for everybody. We do a call-in show or an open forum where we take questions from you. We want to answer your tax and legal questions. And, and a lot of our listeners over the years have found this really, really powerful. And so we are uh, geared up for this once a month. And next week is our open forum show. We usually do it the last Wednesday of the month. And so... Uh usually we've had kind of a phone number where people can call in and it's kind of live radio show type, but the quality of the of the recording is so poor. So what we're going to do is next week, keep all of you posted on the methods to call in for the open forum show. It may be just Facebook Live, Twitter, email. We want to encourage all of you right now to email your questions for next week's open forum show, because we first come, first serve. Um, and if you'd like to email Mark, M A R K at kkoslawyers.com, or Matt, M-A-T, at kkoslawyers.com, send us an email with your question. And next week's open forum, we'll field it. And even if you don't catch the show live, again, it's recorded. So on iTunes, you can listen to the show and go, oh, good, you guys covered my question. So it's a lot of fun. So Matt, anything you'd add to that? We just want to make sure everybody's able to hear this. You know, the yeah. open form.
2: Now, over the over time, you know, we, we do get callers, but for every one caller we get, we get ten to twenty emails of questions. So um, it's actually easier for, to sort out the written questions. Um, and you know, we may get a, a method eventually with that uh, you can get someone live on the air with us, where we can keep the quality of the call up, but. Uh, But still, stay tuned. It's going to be the same great show, answering a lot of your tax and legal questions. Now, today though, um, I'm actually super excited for the show today. Uh, Personally, again, this shows you know really more about me learning something than anyone else. Uh, But today we're going to be talking about the top five considerations when analyzing a rental property. And um, I'm in the market for a rental or two before the end of the year, so uh, I'm. I'm particularly interested, and we're going to have Jay Massey come on. He's a, a very successful real estate investor and an expert in this topic, helping us break down these top five considerations, and we'll be bringing him on a little bit later in the show.
0: Yeah, and we love Jay. Jay Massey, he, I, I met him, gosh, maybe 10 years ago at least. That's just time flies, and uh, I literally remember the day I met him. And uh, when he comes on the show, uh, I'll probably uh, share that that experience and it's really quite emotional it, it really is uh, an amazing story of what jay's been able to accomplish and so uh, we'll bring him on here and within the next half hour 20 minutes we uh for those that are new listeners we we start off with some tips and and uh kind of go from there
2: so matt anything else you want to add who's our sponsor today did you choose our sponsor well, our sponsor chose us today, actually. Um, today's show is being brought to you by The Accountant, opening in a theater near you this weekend. That is Ooh, hashtag wow. The Accountant, starring Ben Affleck. This is a, a very exciting show about um, an accountant. And uh, let me just leave it there. Um, we were paid, obviously, for this advertisement. We would otherwise in no way endorse such a terrible movie idea but um <laughs> but yeah uh, go go check it out and mark mark j kohler is um super excited for this movie
0: yeah i'm a little offended that you would you know disparage this show i mean the title alone is a, a grabber i mean i can't believe it's taken you know hollywood you know 50 80 years to really come up with a this title
2: because really you know, what it was I, I think it was 50 80 years until someone dumb enough or someone with enough money that didn't know <laughs> what to do with it decided to do a stupid show <laughs> all right Matt. Oh, I'm man i mean i'm, I'm gonna, gonna we make the world go around i know it's probably gonna be a great show what do i know but i just like joking about it yeah you're, you're dead all right well okay on that note We're going to do
0: a tax tip right now and save some of you some freaking money, and that's what it's all about. So, you know, all you non-accountants, take it. So (laughs) here we go. A tax tip you can actually understand and won't put you to sleep.
1: A tax tip that could save you thousands.
0: Okay, now today's tax tip is one that is really... uh, something that we're talking about more and more again. And I've had a couple calls on this just this week, and that's the 1031 exchange. And why this is, of course, more and more a topic uh, for phone calls with our clients is that when you have highly appreciated property, you might want to sell that property, but not pay the tax and defer the gain. That's what a 1031 exchange is all about. And I'll define it a little more clearly here in two seconds. But right now, we're at the peak of another real estate market. I don't want to use the B word, that would be bubble, but uh, we could be there, and uh, uh, hopefully it's a little stronger growth than we had the run-up in 2004 through 2008, but uh, all indications are that we are in for another adjustment, it is a seller's market for certain types of real estate. Now, It's always a buyer's market out there if you're educated and have strategies. We love real estate, and you don't stop buying real estate. You just have to sometimes modify your approach. And we're going to be talking about that with Jay Massey shortly. But if you're selling, the 1031 exchange really is a strategy you use when you're at the top of the market with your property. And what you can do is sell a property and buy one or more of equal or greater value. So if I have a property worth 100 grand and uh, I bought it, well, let's let's be realistic. Let's say I bought it for 100 grand and I'm selling it for three hundred, dollars so I'd have this $200,000 gain, uh, I would, don't want to pay the tax, but I'm going to go out and buy another property, uh, I can avoid the tax or defer it, and as long as I buy another property of equal or greater value. So if I sell it for three hundred and go buy a property for 300000 or more, I don't pay the tax. I just got to follow the steps of the 1031 exchange. Very affordable process, maybe five hundred bucks in accommodator fees, and you're off to the races. But the tip is, I guess, is there, I wanted to just mention a couple nuances to the ten to the ten thirty one to get some of your juices flowing. For example, you can sell that one property for three hundred and buy three properties of a hundred each, and that qualifies. You could also uh, sell three properties for hundred grand each. For a total sales price as a bundle of three hundred, and go buy one property for three hundred. So you can sell one and buy three, sell three and buy one. As long as what you buy is of equal or greater value, you roll the basis, defer the gain into the next set of property or properties. Uh, the one call, the two or three calls I've had this week on this topic involve the mortgage piece. So my last tip on this Matt is just keep in mind, folks, that the mortgage is irrelevant when determining what you buy. So if I buy a property for 100 grand, and let's say I've got a mortgage on it for 75,000, and now it's worth 300, and I still have that same mortgage for 75 grand, let's say it was interest only. Well, when I go buy a new property, it's not what I'm netting. I'm gonna net 225 in cash. I still have to buy a property of equal or greater value. So I still gotta go buy that $300,000 property and get another mortgage for 75. So the mortgage needs to go into the new property, either with a new mortgage or some sort, but the value of that mortgage has to stay in the mix. Um, now, if that's a little tricky for you, if some of you have more questions about 1031s, uh, there's several of us tax attorneys here at the office, CPAs. We can, we can guide you through that. Um, just call the office uh, and uh, just get a consult for a half hour. I mean, just sometimes getting your questions answered and knowing that an authoritative uh, attorney that knows what they're doing is giving you those answers. You can then make an informed decision on what to do next. But there you go, 1031s, alive and well.
2: All right, 1031. That could be a football score, um, also a great tax strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, well, thanks, Mark. I've got a, a legal tip now. I'm going to try and match that.
0: A legal tip that you can actually use.
1: A legal tip where you don't feel like you have to take a shower after.
2: All right, now my legal tip for the day. I'm going to be talking a little bit about deeds today. The question of the week is going to relate to deeds, and so, um, but I want to talk about give a quick legal tip on deed transfers. There are a few states that charge what's called. I shouldn't say a few. There's maybe ten states. That charge what is called a transfer tax when you deed property that's in your personal name to your LLC. Now, we're going to be talking about rentals today. A lot of our clients are you know building wealth through rentals. And if you own property, a lot of times you'll close on your personal name, you get a mortgage in your personal name, and you're going to deed it to your LLC that you have for asset protection purposes. Now, generally when you do that deed transfer, there's no fees or taxes associated with it, you might have a $15, $20 recording fee to the recorder to transfer the deed. However, there are about 10 states that have what's called a transfer tax. And of those 10 states, about half of them, or maybe even two-thirds, have an exemption when you transfer a property that you personally own to an LLC that you also 100% own. Now you want to be aware of this transfer tax. It's something that you know we we do a lot of D transfers for clients throughout the country. Um, there's only a few states where we won't do them because you have to have someone local walk them in. But um, we're handling them throughout the country. And I just want to give a note: there are a few states to, to keep in mind on this transfer tax: um, Illinois, Florida. Uh, those are a couple of states we run into quite regularly where you need to fill out some additional paperwork to actually transfer title. But keep in mind, there are, in many instances, exemptions when transferring from your personal name to an LLC you own. So that's the legal tip for you today. And now, Mark, my question of the week is a, is a spinoff of the, uh, of, the, of the transfer tax, detransfer
0: okay well, i'm I think this deed transfer is an important topic because I even just had a call this morning where a client said, "Do now, do I close in my name and then deed to my LLC after? What about the tr- the, the do on sale clause And again, I, I just want to add, don't stress about that. If you're transferring a property to your own LLC of which you're the owner or your revocable living trust, there's either exemptions inside the mortgage or frankly, the mortgage companies just don't care. Uh, it's been mm. years. And thousands of transfers in our office before I've even, I can remember a bank having an issue with this. As long as you're paying the mortgage and uh, transferring it um, is not part of a, a disguised sale of some sort, you're going to be fine. So mm-hmm. get that property in your LLC and get the protection. So great tip, Matt. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, before we start the question this week, should we answer last week?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's get this stuff in order.
0: Yeah, geez, Matt. You know, there's a process here. I'm okay. so, so, so excited, I'm so well, excited. Yeah, for now, for those of you that were not listening last week uh, to the show, let me tell you, the question of the week is an opportunity for all of our listeners to win a free copy of Minor Matt's book. And uh, this week we had a, a response that was quite quick and to the point. I loved it. It was Tom, uh, Tom out of Texas, of course, a big football state. Because there's an underlying football uh, (laughs) theme to this question. So, you know, Friday Night Live, baby, Texas. Uh, They have high school stadiums bigger than most college stadiums around the country. So uh, this question was as follows. And uh, basically I asked, if you are tailgating this weekend and you've got your RV out there for your tailgate party, uh, is there a possibility you could take a tax write-off for your RV? And I, and I even alluded to the party itself. Could you take a tax write-off for that? Uh, and uh, I just, you know, wanted to see what the reaction was. And uh, Tom gave a great answer. He said, Mark, if I'm not mistaken, you can write off the party itself as long as you have a business purpose and some business clientele there. And possibly even write off the RV if it's used in your business regularly. And I was like, Tom, you hit it. Nail, nailed it on the head. So uh, I... I We've got a lot of RV uh, clients around the country, or I should say clients that own RVs. <laughs> <laughs> some, some live in the dream on the road in their RV, others with a home base uh, and take the RV out on occasion. But uh, we we love the RV strategy. And so basically in sum, if your RV is used to try to drive to trade shows, move equipment, visit and work on your rental property, visit and work with vendors or customers. Uh, and uh, your RV is acts more like a business vehicle, and it's not your primary residence. Uh, you, know, you know, many of my RV customers, so we talk about that, but um, keep in mind the RV can be a, an incredible tax write-off because you're not gonna do mileage, you're gonna be able to depreciate the RV. And uh, bottom line, for tailgate partiers, oh my gosh, invite a customer, invite your employees, invite a vendor. If you're gonna throw a tailgate party, uh, have it sponsored by your business have it sponsored by your company how do you think these big companies throw these tailgate parties uh, and, and not write it off they, they don't, they write it off this is, this is not you know, charity for them these big companies that throw these parties outside these football stadiums it's a business purpose mm-hmm. so folks uh, incorporate your football fund this Saturday with your business and take a tax writer for all that food and those wings hot wings, get
2: hot wings out of the tailgate. It's critical. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Hey, so I was um, uh, in Portland, Maine this last week speaking, you know, just leaving no stone unturned, making sure everybody can know and learn about the diaries. And uh, I was out on the uh, harbor just kind of like taking in the view there, watching the boats come in. Some guy comes up, starts, we're chatting it up and uh he's he's uh he asked me are you staying at a hotel or something i'm like yeah i'm over at this hotel i'm like what about you he's like oh i just got a van and i just throw a uh mattress in the back he's like yeah just, he's like when i travel he's like i don't get hotels i just he's like i just go park at the walmart and i just now, like, Matt,
0: now stop i gotta i gotta make sure did this at any point did this gentleman invite you back to his house and did uh he uh have a small pet poodle, and uh, a moth collection of any sort. I mean, this isn't going to take a
2: wild turn here for the worst. You weren't No, thank goodness. Accosted. Okay. 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 Thank right. goodness. But, but, you know, so <laughs> my inside voice was saying, this is freaking weird. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Why am I talking to this okay. guy? My outside voice said, oh, that's like a little RV. Yeah, that's what I call it. <laughs> so I mean (laughs) unbelievable I love it hey you know
0: so so basically Matt what he's telling everybody what Matt's saying is he gave a seminar down by the van near the river (laughs) so that's that that was Matt did you give a motivational
2: speech to this guy well well he was in his van down by the river I I did (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you let me tell you something let me tell you something kids
0: No way. Oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, I have a feeling this is leading towards our question of the week, I hope.
2: No, that was a, that was a little spin off of your RV tip. Oh, man. okay. All right. A, that's that's an r- for the elevator. You were throwing that out. Yeah, okay. just, yeah, come on. All right. This is going somewhere. All right. All right. Now, okay. let, a little there's no transition point here at all. So let me just okay. get to the question of the week. All right. Okay. Question of the week. <laughs> what, what was it? Oh, this is what it was. All right. Okay. If you are transferring a property, Let's say you're deeding a property that's in your name. You've got an LLC now. It's a rental. What type of deed do you want to use to transfer Mm. the property? Do you want to use a warranty deed or a quit claim deed? And by the way, or option three, a quick claim deed. Which one of those would you use? Warranty Mm. deed, quick claim deed, or quick claim deed? Man, that's a good one. It, and, Matt, it kind of relates to your tip of the week. I know. Did you plan that? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was, I mean, I prepared today. If that wasn't yeah. obvious already. Yeah.
0: Well, with that, you know, no stone unturned. I thought you were going to say with no stone crab unturned. Get it? Oh, in
2: oh me? I got gotcha. you. Yeah, <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah.
0: I was. I thought you were going to go down that path. but No, I, uh. I love it, man. That's uh that's fun. Okay, well, great question. Now for those of you that have an answer to that, you just have to send an email to Mark M R K at K K O S Lawyers Lawyers or Matt M A T at K K O S as in Sam, lawyers, L A W Y E R S dot com. And the first one to reply with a correct answer, you get to choose which co- which copy of the book you'd like. Matt's self-directed IRA handbook or my newest book, The Tax and Legal Playbook, we will sign it send it out to you free of charge. Almost a $20 value for Mm -hmm. you non-Amazon Prime members. So uh, please
2: send us your answer. Yeah, plus we read your name on the air live. I mean, it's such an honor. You get recognized. The Refresh Your Wealth Nation, you know, gets to hear your praises. And, uh, or of course, if you don't want that, make sure that you, um, give us a pseudonym to, to read for the air. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, um, other than going back to Matt's experience with a man driving a van with a mattress in the back, uh, we are going (laughs) to now, uh, head to our, (laughs) head to our, uh, special guest of the week. We are so excited to have, uh, Jay Massey with us. So, um, Matt, do you want, uh want to introduce Jay? Matt, actually actually would you mind if I introduce Jay because I really want to uh uh talk about this experience that I had meeting him for the first time. What do you think?
2: All right, sounds good.
0: Well, thanks. I'm glad I get to uh introduce the man the myth the legend Jay Massey. So, in a nutshell and without embarrassing him or putting him on the spot, I mean, of course, currently he is a real estate expert for lack of a better word. He's um he helps clients around the country find the right type of property, invest, and manage it. He develops large projects. He's an educator uh, of real estate. You know, if you're in anywhere in social media, uh, on the web, looking for real estate education, he's he's got a great and amazing presence out there. Great videos and blog articles and YouTubes, and uh, he's on iTunes everywhere, so uh, I would suspect many of our listeners have bumped into Jay Massey, and if you haven't, we hope you do. We'll get his contact information out to you, but more importantly, the story of Jay Massey is what really um, excites me. Uh, Eight years ago, um, I had the fortune of meeting Jay, and I remember vividly that where what building we were in, what room? The, when I shook his hand, um, and I, I remember that vividly because it started a relationship. Um, and he, Jay at the, at the time was—he was down and out. He had gone through a terrible surgery. His wife had gone through a surgery. The market had just crashed. He was—they were—he and his wife were homeless, living. And he, he's allowed me to share that concept. I know as a motivational speaker, he'll share that from time to time. But um, they were—they were homeless, living. Um, in their car or whatever and trying to reinvent their family and career. And it wasn't due to any mistake per se or fraud or crime or anything. It's just life happens and it happened to them. And, but what was amazing is that Jay was determined to rebuild his um, career and start fresh and he came up to me uh and was excited about what i had just shared and mark i want to work with you and i've got all these plans and of course i it took me about 10 minutes to share everything i knew and then he took it and ran so (laughs) he he, i'm not taking credit for anything but uh uh jay uh just an amazing example of where he was and where uh, and where he is now and so we're grateful to have him with us jay welcome
3: Thank show. you. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. And I, I appreciate it and again for I know your listeners already know this, but um I, I definitely appreciate what you guys do because you made you make what I do possible. You you didn't really care where I came from, you cared more about where I was headed. And uh because of that it opened my mind to new opportunities.
2: Yeah, well I think Jay's well, the uh yeah. He's the perfect example of a lot of our clients who start out, and you want to say, "All right, here's where someone has success in this." And um, I've just worked on a lot of Jay's deals over the years, and it's been it's been just cool to see the growth of him and his organization and and everything. So, so you're going to be our expert today. We know you're the expert in this field, and <laughs> um, Mark and I are going to try and say something smart here and there. And uh, we may crash and burn, but we know we got an expert on the line. So and we're going to be talking about <laughs> five, the top five considerations, Jay. And you got to get five when analyzing okay. a rental property. So we're going to be focusing on okay. rentals today. Uh, I mean, how many rentals do you got? How many units? I know you got you know, the multifamily stuff. I mean, let people know. Jay Massey knows what he's talking about here.
3: So um, we're right now we're at uh, we're actually down to about 200 units. Um, We however, we still do have a retail and as well as a uh, cell phone tower, which I think is awesome. And we've recently uh, the new venture that I've been delving into has been all about doing short term and corporate rentals. So it's been it's been lots of fun in a very uh, short period of time.
0: Well, amazing. And I I like how he says, just down from 200 units. How many of you listening here would like to have 200 doors? Uh, Whether it's commercial, uh, residential, multifamily. So um, Matt and I are real estate investors as well. We don't have 200 units, but we are working on our little real estate empire, too, and um, it's exciting to talk with with someone like you, Jay, that has that that type of portfolio. So, Jay, let's start with number one. Uh, When you meet with new people that are buying rentals, uh, I know some of these tips may be for the advanced uh, person, but let's maybe start with one of the easier ones, one of the softballs. So, if someone's looking to buy a rental, what's one of those first considerations that you make sure people uh, take
3: into account? Well, the number one consideration, and this is the one that I think most people, especially advanced, uh, make the mistake on, because uh, the number one thing they ask me is, hey, where where's the money? And I'm like, that's the wrong question. The number one question they should be considering is, whom do you want to serve? And if you think of it that way, you're going to make all much better decisions than, than you would if you go, okay, where's going? where am I going to make the most money? Because ultimately, you are serving, you know, real estate, in my opinion, is a is a service business, and you're serving a person, And in this case, every 30 days if you're doing a traditional long-term tenant, and you've got to want to work with them. It's a partnership if you look at it properly. And if that tenant isn't the type of person you like dealing with or want to serve and want to talk to and you know how to meet their needs, then... I don't really care where it is. I don't care how much you paid for it. I don't care if it was a dollar, what the financing looked like. It's just not going to be fun for you or them because you're not going to be able to serve them. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah.
2: Love it. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I never thought of it that way. Um, and, and, you know, I just think of some of my own rentals and, uh, yeah, I might be serving the wrong people on some of those, but. Uh, but
3: <laughs>
2: um, well, let's talk about maybe. Uh, well, I, I'm seriously. No, Matt, can I
0: add yeah. something? I want to yeah, add yeah. something to that, if I could. Because I, I know that kind of threw us aside. Because when most people think of the first consideration in a rental, it's like buy low, sell high, or how much rehab, or how much this, or what location, and this and that. I, I like what Jay just said by stepping back and, and thinking of it as a business. As a real business, which it is, who is your target market? If it's veteran housing, if it's low-income housing, if it's student housing, if it's married housing, if it's what? Who is your tenant going to be? And put yourself in their shoes, and is what you're going to buy serve their needs? Are they going to rush to rent what you're freaking offering? And uh, I like that, thinking of not the property itself first, but thinking of the tenant first. Is that another way of saying it, Jay? Jay?
3: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because uh, for I'll give a very different example. There's a number of people listening who probably understand the needs of uh, of a of, of a machine shop. Like they've worked in a machine shop, or they've been around machine shop or industrial real estate, and they they understand what that business owner needs in terms of their their shop space. Yet. They're trying to figure out how to do low end single family houses because the price point makes sense. And then they get surprised when the tenants like they're like, hey, you don't have a checking account? Well, no. Why would you expect them to? I mean, that's you got to understand it's completely different systems when their history, their background, their knowledge of who they know is someone completely different. And yet they are trying to serve they start serving someone else. Now, don't get me wrong. Just because you start in in one particular area, that doesn't mean that's where you always have to stay. But right now we're just talking about how do I get in? Well, you you start the easiest place for most people to start that I've trained, that I've taught myself, et cetera, is to start with the person you are most like. Serve that person because you know what you like and you know where you would like to live. You know what amenities you would like to have nearby. You You know these things. You know the floor plan you like. Then go find you as a tenant and keep it that simple like that. That
2: sounds good. Um, well, let me, uh, let me get to the next one here. Um, cause I, I'm just, like I said, this is all self-serving for me. I'm just trying to get some, some good advice from Jay Max here. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So Should I, hold on, hold on. Should <laughs> I be
3: charging you by an hour this time?
2: No, I mean, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way, Jay. It's a one way street. <laughs> it's
3: just funny it's just pretty funny so, um, I, know, I know.
2: um <laughs> jay and I talk quite frequently and he gets bills from me that's what he's that's what he's ma- making fun of yeah. me for all right so so uh how do you analyze a property what is in terms of you know am i paying too much uh is this going to get enough rent what's the yeah. some of the the basic financial criteria someone needs to be looking at in terms of making the purchase, are they overpaying or not, and then trying to determine the rent.
3: Got it. So when it comes down to value, it's specifically overpaying, you have to ask yourself, what is this property worth to me? Um, I, I've i said before and I say again, I can't stand comps uh, because just because someone uh, has a comparable sale that says this property or they paid less money, that doesn't mean my property or the property I want to buy is also worth that. And the converse is also true. Just because mm-hmm. someone else overpaid doesn't mean I should. Uh, and that's not a proper method of valuation. Even though it's accepted, I don't like it. Mm. Uh, What is it worth to you? And what do I mean by that? It's relative to how you're going to use the property. So I can take the same single family house and show you how it's worth three and four and many different prices uh, to many different people. So for example, a single family house that's uh, going to be used as a long-term rental, as Mark was mentioning earlier, uh, it has one price. If you're going to live there, it has a completely different price. And it has a completely different price primarily because of how it's financed. But the person who's going to use it as a long-term rental isn't going to pay the same price as the person who's going to uh, live there. But yet, when we go do comparable sale, we lump everybody together as if they're using it the same way and financing it the same way and all the other factors are the same and they're not. And therefore, uh, people who live in a, a general area, tend to they end up being the ones who can pay the most for a property. And you, you just got to keep all of those things uh, in consideration. It's somewhat of a science, somewhat of an art. Um, but the whether you overpay or underpay, what's important is does it cash flow? Uh, you know, regardless of what you pay. And if you even if you underpay and it doesn't cash flow, it doesn't matter. You know, period. Uh, so the the question is is based on the price that I am paying, will this be able to produce? Uh, something that I consider to be an acceptable internal rate uh, as or internal rate of return as well as ROI. Okay, I
0: love it. So I want to restate it. Number one, of course, who is your tenant going to be? Primarily look at again at who who your who that end user is going to be and what's their perspective. Number two is what is it value? What's the value to to you when you analyze the numbers? I've I've often heard you say Jay too that. You're buying numbers not sticks and bricks you know what do those numbers tell you and uh we get too emotionally involved because we we, historically people buy homes uh, from an emotional standpoint we're going to live here what's it look like what's it you know what's the neighborhood like and not that those things don't matter objectively when you're buying a rental but it's a different process so
3: i like that what do the numbers mean um on paper to you yeah absolutely i Uh, mean it's a business i mean my inventory especially as a landlord it is a number of days that—that's my inventory. How many days in a month am I selling? Uh, so if I have one house, I can sell thirty days. If I have two, I can sell sixty. So I get the production of sixty days in the time span of thirty days. If I have a hundred, then I get the production of a of uh, what was it three thousand days in the time span of 30 days. And that's how I look at it. And you want to be able to keep, you know, every unit producing every day. Uh, in order to do that, you got to make sure that your employees are healthy, so to speak. You know, do they do, do they get, are, are they getting the things that they need to be able to produce the result that you're after?
0: I love it. I love it. Okay. Number three consideration. Where, where do you take your rental buyer?
3: What are they to um, thinking about? the The number one risk in, in long-term property is who, who who owns the property next door because <laughs> you, you 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 really want to know that neighbor. Uh, you you want to know. Uh, and when I say neighbor, it's not just the person physically next door, but also the political environment. Like in in the world of multifamily for sure, commercial, uh, and as your deals get larger, uh, you get more familiar with politicians than you may want to be. But you need to know their stance on the type of real estate that you do or the jobs that you are providing and the, do they want that in that neighborhood because you may find yourself in a situation in which you, you're you suddenly dealing with a community development center and you didn't want to. You didn't even see that happening simply because, you know, hey, you, you just happened to buy the the property in the middle of something that was contentious, but you, you just didn't know. So, but you need to know. Uh, like who's your neighbor, and not just physically living, but also jobs. And this is one of the most difficult things um, to to do is uh, you're a job chaser is really what it comes down to. You need to keep your uh, pulse on where new jobs are coming and not just new jobs, but what type of jobs. How long will those jobs be around? For example, um, government spending is not sustainable and uh, they don't, they can't create uh, sustainable jobs. For for another industry would be construction. Construction comes and then it goes. And that those are not jobs you can build a portfolio around. You need jobs that are infrastructure related, like um, uh, doctors uh, would be medical is a good one. Transportation, logistics. Uh, these are good places uh, to where they can produce, you know, they produce tenants that have the ability to pay the rent long term. Mm, good.
2: Now you see that in a lot of markets, you know, certain gurus are going to say You know, they say, "Well, go invest in this market because there's job growth. Um, invest in you know this city because there's you know they've had the best job growth." Um, mm-hmm. So, th- I like your point. There is a little more detail than that in, in terms of well, let's you got to understand what type of job growth that is. Make sure it's sustainable. But maybe get specific on that issue. um, I know you're out there always looking at different markets. Where are Uh places where there are the more sustainable jobs being built versus places where it might be, you know, non-sustainable jobs in the long
3: term? Got it. Got it, Rob. So the the one of the easiest ways to to, to find those trends. First of all, what happens is that people get stuck on the top line trend without ever asking the the major question, what what's driving that trend? Why is that happening? Mm-hmm. And when you learn to ask why that's happening, you begin to learn many more things. Uh, so, for example, if you want to begin to figure out where some of these things are, and maybe you don't have the time, maybe you don't have the resources necessary to do all of this research yourself, uh, one of the things I like to do is I like to Uh, piggyback off of companies that have way more time, money, resources, and personnel than me and, and find out what they're doing. For example, Amazon is one such company. Where are they opening their next warehouse? I promise you, they are opening that next warehouse where these conditions exist. That's what they're doing. Nike. Where are they? What are they doing? Where are the Where are those individuals moving? Uh, FedEx again. Is, notice these industries are very similar to the ones I mentioned earlier in terms of logistics and and uh, all medical devices. Where are those companies placing themselves? Uh, because they're going to place resources where they're going to find their customer. And we need to think about some of the macroeconomics at play as the uh, population is a significant portion of the United States and world population ages, one of the things that they're going to need is uh, medical services. So you you can't deliver that <laughs> via email. <laughs> so you're gonna you gotta physically be there. Someone has to physically provide the service. and you when you think about those types of things, it gets very clear. The converse is also true. Where are those places where the jobs can end up n- not just outsourced but offshored overnight? So places that are heavy in tech or heavy in finance or heavy with something that where the job is primarily knowledge work, that knowledge work could be offshore to another country really, really easily. That is a risk, in my opinion. So places like Northern California, Silicon Valley, et cetera, those become places where I get nervous because much of that job base can it could be somewhere else. With a you know a few keystrokes, and that's that that becomes a risk. But uh, you know things that can't move geography like uh, rivers and 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 uh, shipyards and entertainment infrastructures like Orlando and Vegas, they're not going anywhere.
0: Well, I like that. So third point in summary, I like at a at a micro level is know your neighbor, literally, yeah. right. especially for those out there buying those little onesie twosie properties, Jays comments may have seemed a little overwhelming for some of you in just getting started in real estate. But I know there's listeners out there that just ate up what Jay said that are working at bigger scales. um, But I liked at the micro level, you first said, know your neighbor, know your neighborhood. know, And then as you start to expand that, it's really
3: knowing that entire market and the climate around your rental being tip number three. All right, tip number four, where do we go? So after that is going to come down to understanding it's going to come down to understanding your vendors on, in a completely different. So now we're talking about the team. What is the skilled workforce that I have there? For example, um, in California, specifically, Orange County, where I live, there's not as many people who know. Uh, long-term rental real estate simply because we're more of a, uh, you know, (laughs) it can look like a stock market shark on our prices and there's way more fixing and flipping out here than there is anything else. So what does that mean? We have a plethora of construction people. We have, we, they know that backwards and forwards, but find managers who understand how to build and and, and run a a property long-term is, can be a little bit more challenging because they're used to the fix and flip mentality, which is prevalent in Southern California. That's not to say that it doesn't exist. I'm just saying there's less of it. Whereas you go to the Midwest, uh, there's less of the fix and flipping. It's more about uh, the, the long-term rental and the vendors in that area understand it better, simply because that's primarily what the 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 customer that they're serving Is so the workforce that's there makes a huge difference. If you're trying to do a rehab and you can't get competent people who know how to put the plans together, then you got a problem. Yeah, you got people who can, you know, follow directions, but who's going to be your construction foreman? Who's going to be that superintendent? They're not everywhere, uh, and I found this out, you know, by obviously going out there in the marketplace and like, where's the where where's my quality foreman? I can't. Where's my quality GC general contractor? Where's they? Where are they? And the the they just didn't have it because you know at the end of the day, um, I was in a tertiary market and they they didn't have what I needed in order to execute the strategy.
0: Okay, so Jay, let me summarize number four. So how I took number four was know who your property manager is. Know what your vendor resources are in the area you're going. If you're gonna buy a rental where grandma lives, there may be great deals where grandma lives, but there may be no one on the ground to help you manage that rental. Now, Jay, you're looking, of course, multi-units and larger rehabs, and you need contractors and surveyors and engineers from time to time. So you're looking from a different approach. But even for your brand new investor, tip number four is, know who's gonna manage this rental for you.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can simply go over to the National Association of Residential Property Managers, uh, NARPM.org, and you can see this in effect. Type in a zip code, and you'll see that in certain areas, there's a lot of property managers. And then there's an area, there'll be an area where you're like, hey, I want to be here. And they, the National Association, doesn't have anyone associated with them within 100 miles. That's a clue and a sign that you may not be able to find a full-time property manager, you might find a realtor who says, yeah, I can manage your property too, but you may not be able to find a full-time property manager. That could be a challenge if you go out there and you're trying to to build a business around that. You've got no sales, no customer service department at all. That, that's the problem uh, when you're trying to deliver quality service to a tenant. So it's just, just because the deal is you know not a lot of dollars, that doesn't mean it won't be expensive in terms of time or money elsewhere.
2: Well, now as we're talking about, I think you know, single family in particular, does mm-hmm. that does that mean you want to be in a rental market as opposed to an owner market? I mean, that might be the difference of what's occurring here, I presume. But um, are you looking for places that are known as renter markets typically?
3: Well. Yes, uh, because the make it simple. Yes, otherwise you might have to build that team yourself, that, and that's really what I'm saying. Is like just know that going in. Like if it doesn't exist, you might have part of your success may be contingent upon you literally building and or educating a team to actually execute the strategy. If that's not work you want to do, you might want to consider a different market that already has that infrastructure in place. Love it. Okay, number five, Jay Massey. <laughs> Number five is now we're going to talk, start talking about paying attention uh, to the numbers. Notice how few of the things had anything to do with numbers until now, but now we're going to start talking about paying attention to The numbers and being able to interpret data, go from data to information to interpretation and understanding what to do, primarily as it relates to expenses. Uh, So what when I say expenses, uh, chief among them is taxes like the number one thing. Anytime I've worked with anybody who has a portfolio right now. So for those of you listening right now, I please do this because I'm almost certain you haven't go contest your property taxes. Just do it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just do it. Do it right now. I'm almost certain you haven't done it. And uh, typically, you will be able to generate a reduction in the amount of money you have to pay the city or county for your property taxes. And even better, there's usually a CPA or CPA firm somewhere near your local jurisdiction that actually specializes in doing this and helping you to keep your property taxes in line. Some of you, you probably didn't even know you could do it. That's also why it's the number one thing. That I I do. It's like as soon as we buy a property the next day, we contest the property taxes. It is just our standard operating procedure. And I'm asking all of you to go do it because it's a number you're not paying attention to. Most people are just paying it and going, okay, it is what it is. You can do something about it. Um, So, also utilities, you know, these can be great indicators of water leaks and electricity spikes and things of this nature. They mean something. You need to be able to watch those numbers carefully and understand exactly what's uh, what, what exactly is going on uh, in your particular property, not just in your property, but if you can, begin to get data uh, for properties next door, in your subdivision, uh, as well as citywide, because you don't know if you are over or underperforming relative to the other people who are having or who are also in your marketplace. Just because you have, say, and I'm going to be really high here, just because you have a 60 or 70% expense ratio that doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. That could just be what it what it is in that marketplace, and you maybe you need to be somewhere else.
2: So, you know, I think a lot of investors are buying rentals, and or mm-hmm. they're even a you know someone wanting to buy their first apartment building, and they're thinking of these value add scenarios. They're thinking of okay, um, you know, maybe working some of these numbers and getting expenses down, as you're talking about um, what I is that model still viable i mean the, the values have gone up a lot particularly in multifamily um what do what you feel what do you see out there right now how do you deal with this prices have been have gone up you know relative over the last mark talked about the bubble at the very beginning of the show right. um the b word uh what, what do you think what <laughs> pricing now is the buys became high um as that relates to now we're talking numbers
3: yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you all, again, never take things that they're there just because prices are high. OK, cool. That's what's happening. But I'm going to ask a question. Well, why are prices high? And then I'm going to be even more specific. Why are prices high? in this area? And then I'm going to be even more specific than that to go, why are prices high in this area right now? And all of those, as I ask each one of those, that's going to reveal completely different information. Sometimes prices are high and often, especially in single family, simply because they have a really fat government subsidy when it comes to uh, being able to purchase them. Low, super low down payments, artificially low interest rates are going to make prices go high Mm -hmm. Period. Because everybody feels like they can go buy, and they can, and they'll be able to be funded, and and so therefore prices go high. Does that mean you can't play? No, it doesn't mean that. It does mean you need more skill to be able to understand how to play the game. Uh, For example, uh, just because prices are high, um, well, that's high because now you're looking at it going, ooh, that's a lot of debt service in order to pay that particular mortgage. Well, that's only an issue if you don't have enough income to offset it. So what does that mean? Um, I said at the beginning uh, or earlier that I've taken this turn into short-term rentals. This is one of the things that I we've begun to do because I've been traditionally anti-California for long-term real estate for a number of reasons um, and price being one of them. However... When I change the source of income from a traditional long-term tenant to a short-term rental, ah, the economics change. Suddenly, paying, literally paying retail for a house in Southern California can work because the numbers now work, even though the price is higher relative to where it used to be. But I changed the customer. I changed whom I wanted to serve. And that's one of the things when prices go up, you need to look at is, okay, Is this still the highest and best use for this particular property? Yes, I know it was a short-term or long-term tenant rental before, but maybe now it's time for it to become something else. Maybe I need to buy the property next door and turn this into a fourplex. I don't know. Maybe I need to um, actually turn this into uh, an assisted living facility. I don't know. Maybe I need to sell this and and go take it to somewhere else because if I don't want to change my customer, maybe it's the market is telling you, look, sell it here, go buy over here, so that you can continue to do the business model that you've you've gotten used to, just because. Um, prices go up. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a great opportunity to learn to manage. And most people, uh, uh, hopefully, when I say the words return on equity, you know what I mean. But you've got to manage that equity. You can't just, mm-hmm. just because the prices go up, you go, great, yay, I don't need to do anything. No, that could be some of the times where most of your activity needs to be.
0: All right. Well, now I want to summarize number five. And again, go for in it. one sentence, if I may, is no the numbers of the property you're analyzing when it comes to expenses. Um, We took a wild ride there on a variety of issues. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But but no, 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 it's cool. But I want to get back for, again, uh, whether it's macro or micro, for anybody at any level, um, contesting the property taxes was a good example. But if you're going to go analyze a rental, know what those expenses are, And are they soft or are they hard? Are they something that you can work with? And what does that mean for your bottom line ROI, which goes back to point number two? And, you know, is this property worth it to you? And you're going to be looking at those numbers. I think number five is what you're coming back to saying is you really want to scrub those numbers, know them backwards and forwards, and uh, even if this is your first rental property, Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if anybody's impetuous when it goes to buy a rental, it's usually clients when they buy their first rental. As you start to buy more rentals, you get more skittish. It's kind of funny that way uh, (laughs) from my perspective. um, Right. Well, Jay, I, I love it. Top five great comments, uh, great information. Um, you're, you're educating people out there all over the country at high levels, as many of our listeners can tell, and also those brand-new investors. Where can people get more information from you, and where can they uh, uh, start following you?
3: yeah the easiest place is to go to cashflowdiarypodcast.com where we have a podcast in iTunes we're we're actually over 300 episodes now one day we'll catch you mark but until then uh, we'll just keep <laughs> we'll just keep going and uh, or just cashflowdiary.com and again if you type Honestly, cash flow diary in anywhere, yeah, and it comes up. It's probably me on every social media site. Uh, so no matter where, which one you prefer, I'm I'm likely there uh, in some way, shape, or form, even live streaming, etc. So you, you, I'm easy, easy to find.
2: Oh, in in some shape or form. I mean, Jay's in great shape. His form is always <laughs> on, you know. So um well thanks so much for being on today, Jay. We appreciate appreciate your insights. Um I you know, as I, I said at the beginning of the show, I'm in the market for a rental right now, so I I'm gonna be much better off going into this than I was before recording today's show. And I hope those that listen in today um have the same reaction. But uh, Mark, I wanna let people know, you know we need more five-star reviews. Um, uh, we had some recent five-star reviews on iTunes. Um, keep in mind, if you give us a five-star review, we'll send you a free copy of minor Mark's book, but you got to email us and let us know it was you. Cause we can't make out your iTunes handle. Um, uh, but thanks for those of you who have given us a five-star review on iTunes.
0: Yeah. And I want to say again, one last shout out to Jay. I should have, when I introduced him, should have mentioned he's written the book called Cash Flow diary. Fantastic book. And again, any of you out there, uh, that found today's information helpful. Please Google cash flow diary and you'll get to uh, know Jay intimately. Sign up for his, uh, his newsletter and check out his uh, regular information on social media. And I want to say uh, in summary, thanks everybody for listening today. We're going to be back, back here next week with open forum. So please send us an email with your question in advance and we're going to hit those. You'll be able to listen to it recorded and you'll hopefully get an insightful, helpful answer to your email question and uh, i want to give a shout out to my seattle students and clients that came to my workshop last saturday in seattle Uh, it was the first of a five-part series uh, tour around the country and i'm doing six steps to building your wealth and it's it's not only tax and legal it's setting goals it's getting out of debt it's cutting costs and learning how to protect your assets and coordinate it all together it's a new approach to my information of what i do in a regular consult so folks please Get to our uh, website and uh, get to know more about us at kkoslawyers.com. And there's links to Matt's site, my site, and all our information. Please follow us on the newsletter. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for listening to another hour of refreshing strategies to better live your American dream.
0: Don't forget to get your free copy of Mark and Matt's ebooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax deadlines and articles at refreshyourwealth.com.